It's 2024, and you know that means the elections are just around the corner, both the spring and the general presidential elections in November. Key in all of these elections, as they have been and will continue to be, is election integrity. And for our listeners in Wisconsin, which is the nexus point of the 2024 elections, they have a major problem. Megan Wolf is still in charge as the administrator of WEC, which oversees the fairness, transparency, and security of those elections. This despite the demonstrable corruption and competence by Wolf on any number of occasions, including the unauthorized, unconstitutional illegal drop boxes, ballot harvesting, Zuckerbucks targeting increased Democrat voter turnout. The list goes on and on. But there's a solution to this that's being ignored by the leadership in the Republican Assembly. Assembly Resolution 18 can correct this problem by impeaching Megan Wolf and sending it to the Senate for her trial and removal. Call Speaker Robin Voss, State Representative Dave Steffen, and your State Representative and tell them you want them to protect the sanctity of elections, not Megan Wolf. Take a stand today. Paid for by the Wisconsin Election Committee Incorporated. Welcome back. Joe Chiganti, your regular Joe here. With you on this Tuesday, struggling with the buttons. There's two. There's two buttons that turn on the mic. And for some reason, I can't seemingly, uh, don't mind me. Welcome back. As always, a pleasure to be with you. Asking the question, and it's on Facebook. If you want to comment there, you can, of course, text us or call us at 888-737-1737-888-737-1737. What is Hickey Nailey's plan with his big state-of-the-campaign announcement. Is she going to announce that she's going no labels? Is she dropping out of the race? Is it a desperate attempt as we barrel towards the South Carolina primary, which is just days away? Is this just an attempt by her to get a little more attention, seeing as she's down by, like, double... And when I say double, I mean double the amount. I pulled up the... the, I think we went through some of the polls yesterday... Uh, but I did pull it up, and I mean, she is down by at least, at least 30 points in her home state. She is going to get blown out of the water. Uh, there's just really little question about it. So what do you think is the big thing that's going to happen, if anything at all? Whereas, like I said, it's just a PR move, a faint move, try to get some attention, get people to pay attention to her that are already ignoring her, that are already t- treating her a bit like a has-been. 888-737-1737. Now, I mentioned at the top of the hour, and I said, gosh, you know, if I could only remember why, there's a story out of the New York Post. It's been covered a couple other places. Chartis is a Chicago-based healthcare advisory services firm, and they recently released some data on rural hospitals in the United States, saying that there's been an increased downward trend of them closing since 2010. Since then, 141 rural hospitals have gone out of business. More alarming, according to their press release, is that 453 more are, quote, at risk of closure. The seven states with the most hospitals vulnerable for closures include Texas, 45, Kansas, 38, Nebraska, 29, Oklahoma, 22, North Carolina, 19, Georgia, 18, Mississippi, 18, 
All this is listed in Becker's Hospital Review. In Florida, Tennessee, and Nebraska, more than 41% of rural hospitals are at risk of closure. Between 31 and 40% are at the same risk in Utah, South Dakota, Kansas, Oklahoma, Alabama, North and South Carolina. So what does all this mean? I mean, first of all, there, there, there's seven factors that they went to look at when trying to determine their, their health, basically. Uh, these included the number of years the hospital has been operating without a profit and the amount of net patient revenue. It also looked at other factors, uh, including the uh, average daily need for skilled nursing, the average number of inpatients during the year, reliance on inpatient revenue versus, you know, I guess emergency room revenue and other non-inpatient work. Its share, now this is an important one, its share of Medicare outpatient charges in each hospital's case mix index. That's all a lot of gobbledygook of why. Bottom line is a bunch of these hospitals aren't making money. They're providing services. They're not making the money. Now, I know for a fact that there are a number of hospitals, and I, I don't know if it's these here, but I know of a couple different systems where they're owed tens of millions of dollars in payments from the federal government for Medicaid and Medicare coverage, services they've extended, but they haven't been paid yet. The regular Joe radio show.